0: Hi, I'm Samuel. And I'm Bentley. And this is the Review Podcast. Podcast. Well, it looks like it's finally happened. The space-time continuum has finally folded back in on itself. I am so happy that there's a new season of Mystery Science Theater 3000, which really has created the world that you, Samuel, have grown up in. There, <laughs> there's really no YouTube... Without that vibe of consuming culture, consuming digital media, consuming uh, all of this stuff that we're now swimming in, Mystery Science Theater gave us a way to deal with it before there were even podcasts, before there was YouTube, uh, before there was really even an internet. This thing got started in 1988, and thank God it did, so that we can help process all of this stuff.
1: Yes. Mystery Science Theater 3000 is a formative document of my childhood, Uh, it is uh, the language that I speak, it is the way that I interact with media, it is just a constant deluge of of riffing and commentating and doing on a micro scale what we are trying to do on a macro scale with this podcast, where it takes existing media and recontextualizes it into the grand scheme of of all media that has come
0: before. And and that's where they got the new cast. I mean, this is why I'm saying that the universe is folding back in on itself, because they literally went and found people who are famous on YouTube for doing this, who are famous doing podcasts. Uh, here we are now going to devote a podcast to talking about people who re-viewed old movies to turn them into new content and pass forward all of these cultural references that taught you the canon. I my god, I can't handle it. Yeah. My brain is going to blow up. Look, you can you just do something on the podcast. I'll okay. be right back. My he's, head is going to blow
1: up. He's walking out of the room. It's 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 a lot to take in. Um so when I was a very small child, uh my father actually would tape episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000 and put them onto VHS tapes. Um and these were all labeled and filed and, and, you know, right next to the home movies that my father created. And they are, I mean, I would just wear these tapes out watching them. I mean, I used to love the, they did, a, they did several Gamera episodes, but there's one in particular that I love. Can I come back uh, in now? Yes, you can. You, you left. Okay. I didn't kick you out. Um, it's, it's fascinating to have it come, as my father says, full circle and, and now to be a college graduate. And getting new Mystery Science Theater 3000 content, which, you know, spoilers for our review, but
0: largely doesn't miss a beat. It doesn't oh, Okay, hold on, you're getting some... ahead of yourselves. Now, listen, I like, yeah. so I have friends who remember Mystery Science Theater from the 90s. And it's true, it starts in 1988 as a cable access show up in Minnesota. So if anybody remembers Wayne's World and that joke from Saturday Night Live about these guys just sort of doing this really cheap show in their basement. Well, that's actually what Mystery Science Theater was. It was a cheap show being done by just these goofballs uh, in Minnesota. And it was a great idea for people like myself who had grown up with crappy movies on Saturday afternoons, right? Before there was any cable television, you had to just take whatever the three channels, or maybe four if you were lucky would show you on the weekends, and if you didn't really care about sports, then you were left watching Gamera on a Saturday afternoon. I do need to give some credit to uh, Uncle Jonathan, my brother Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan, who really was uh, an early adopter of Mystery Science Theater. Uh, You know that we really didn't have cable uh, when you were a kid, and so I knew about the show. Uh, It got picked up by Comedy Central. But we really jumped into it when you were old enough to start watching. And Uncle Jonathan sent me a lot of those videotapes that you're talking about. And that's really how the show grew. They had a line at the end of their episode saying, keep circulating the tapes. So it literally was kind of this non-broadcast, underground, cult favorite show. And I did have a lot of friends who watched it and circulated the tapes. But it's interesting, when I've talked to them about the new season that just dropped on Netflix a week ago and talked about how we were going to do a podcast about it, a whole bunch of them hadn't thought about Mystery Science Theater, right? They were just like, oh yeah, I remember that show that was on in the 90s because so many episodes of Mystery Science Theater got made that it became kind of like those old movies that we watched on Saturday afternoons in 1978, right? Like, it was on all the time. You could turn on Comedy Central or, later, the Sci-Fi Channel and see these episodes because they cranked them out. They had almost 200 episodes, I think.
1: The final the final episode of the original run of the show ends at episode 197. I mean, that is an incredible amount of content. You can swim in that content. There's yeah. so much.
0: Yeah, Uh There were three hosts. Uh, Obviously, Joel Hodgson is the guy who creates the show. I was kind of surprised when he left. I loved him. You know, I grew up in South Dakota, so his kind of uh, very nice humor, kind of offbeat, nice, intelligent humor, made a lot of sense to me because I grew up with guys like Joel. Mm -hmm. And then one of his writers takes over the hosting spot when Joel leaves after a couple of years, and so that's Mike Nelson. I didn't like Mike as much, but he was completely... Uh, satisfactory, you know, I mean you kept the thing going uh, There was still a lot of good humor on the show It was the third iteration when they moved to the Sci-Fi channel Where I, I really kind of dropped off It was still Mike Nelson hosting But I think of that as a distinct third period of the show Because they had the Planet of the Apes character And the two mad scientists uh, from the beginning of the show were gone And so they had, uh, what, Dr. Forrester's ex-wife, I think
1: Yeah, Pearl Pearl Pearl, Pearl Forrester, Forrester.
0: And I should have liked the Planet of the Apes vibe that they had going on, but I, it just the writing was clearly different. So this show is working on so many layers. It helped me teach you about all this cool canon material, yep. all this important cultural reference, because I had to explain some of the jokes to you. Uh, but it also, to me, is proof that you have to have good writing. Right, You can't just make stupid jokes about a stupid movie. That becomes unwatchable. Mm-hmm. It has to be intelligent writing. And we can prove that because after the show leaves sci-fi, some of these guys break off and do something called riff tracks. So some of you listeners might have seen promos for riff tracks on your Facebook feed. It's some of the people from Mystery Science Theater going off and trying to do the same thing, but it didn't work. I didn't think the writing was as good and we saw a couple of these things in the movie theaters, and it was just weird.
1: Well, let's qualify. It didn't work. It didn't work for us.
0: Mm-hmm. By
1: all accounts, Rift Tracks was an incredible financial success. I mean, and it's still going. We and watched. It's still going.
0: We watched it last summer as part of this rebuild for a new season of Mystery Science Theater. Uh, but for some reason. In Mystery Science Theater you watch the silhouette of the host and two robots watching a movie. So it's like you're in a movie theater row behind them but you're having the same experience of watching a crappy movie and making jokes about it. In Rift Tracks you sit in a movie theater and you can watch humans facing you making jokes about the crappy movie but because they're facing me and they're not robots anymore. For some reason, it just throws me off. Well, I, can't, I can't deal with it. It's not that
1: they're not robots anymore. It's that they're not characters. They're just Mike Nelson making jokes about a movie. And it's a very thin line between Mike Nelson making jokes about a movie and Mike, the host of Mystery Science Theater three thousand second second iteration making jokes about a movie. But it is a difference, and it matters. And all of it this is, comes back to writing.
0: It totally threw me off.
1: And, and the, the riff track stuff has some great moments. We're not taking away from anyone who likes riff tracks. All we're saying is, for our tastes, that's not the next step of Mystery Science Theater 3000. The next step of Mystery Science Theater 3000, in my opinion, has been the stuff that you can find on YouTube. The parody songs. The the Honest Trailers guys. Oh, man, uh, I love Honest Trailers. The guys who do uh, video game playthroughs, where all they do is just riff over video game stuff. Like, I mean, all of this... And none of this exists without Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Yep. I don't know yep. what the world, what Western cultural civilization looks like <laughs> in in my like in in my formative years. I don't know what it looks like without Mystery Science Theater three thousand. I can only picture in my head a black hole.
0: <laughs> so, uh, so we watch in the theaters last summer uh, this gigantic reunion show to celebrate how. Uh, the fine, the people who wanted to do more Mystery Science Theater got a Kickstarter to successfully fund this season. So uh, the show goes off the air officially in mm-hmm. 1999. That's a long time ago. And we would still watch the tapes. I bought some of these things on DVD. Uh, and if we had never gotten another season of uh, MST3K, as we call it, I would have been perfectly happy because they created this whole world that we now live in and because I can watch Honest Trailers on YouTube. So when they announced the Kickstarter, I was like, mm-hmm. and then we sat in the theater last summer and we watched them riff all these different generations of the show, including the Riff tracks guys. Uh, and the new guy, I thought he was kind of the weaker part of all of that. So I was like, mm-hmm. Well,
1: well, let's not just call him the new guy. He does have a name. He's the new guy. I don't know what his name is. He's, he's a millennial. So there are three... Uh, primary... I mean, there's there's tons of new cast members all over the place, but the three central new characters uh, or new actors for the characters are uh, Jonah Ray, who plays the host, now in a yellow jumpsuit uh, as the human trapped aboard the Satellite of Love, where he has to watch bad movies. Is that the new guy? That's Jonah Ray. Okay. Yes, that is the new guy, father. Um, and I would concur uh, in the, you know, reunion of Mystery Science Theater 3000, where they're getting the gang back together just for this Nice anniversary go-round.
0: He stuck out as, as pretty weak. He seemed pretty unsure. Well, he actually flubbed a line pretty badly, and Joel, who's standing next to him. So you've got the creator, right, who's my generation. We get a Gen Xer next to the, the guy. They, they're they literally handing off the torch, and Jonah blows a line, and Joel has to save him. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to watch the new season, but I don't know.
1: Um, And uh, the two robots... Crow and Tom Servo, uh, who had both gone through voice actor changes before now, so this is not you know a, a whole
0: that's true new phenomenon. That's but true. they
1: did uh, get new voice actors for this season: Hampton Yaunt, who is the new voice of Crow T Robot, and Baron Vaughn, who is the uh, voice
0: of Tom Servo. Where the hey did they come from?
1: Uh, so they're both uh, existing comedians on the, on the tour circuit.
0: Are they millennials?
1: Uh, yes, they're my generation. Okay. Um, uh, Jonah Ray comes from uh, the Nerdist podcast, and before that he was on The Soup.
0: Um, oh, so. wait, on E? Yes. I love The Soup! The Soup is another example of what Mystery Science Theater gave us, because if anybody's watched that, I love The Soup, because they're just riffing on daytime talk television.
1: So I guess now my father likes Jonah Ray. So, there we go, that well, was easy. I just
0: don't, okay, I just don't know who they are. But <laughs> I'm really happy. The bottom line is I love the new season of MST3K. We just watched the first three episodes. Woohoo! It's really good,
1: folks. It, it's, 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 like I said at the start of the podcast, they didn't miss a step. They didn't miss a beat. It feels very natural if you were to just string them together with the other ones. There's very minimal plot setup, which is great. I was worried that they were going to try and explain too much about the differences between this and the previous seasons, but Instead, they just say, okay, we got the new voices of the robots, we got a new host, we got a new villain, played by Felicia Day, who made her name off of YouTube originally, and then just completely exploded onto the nerd scene where she did stuff for Supernatural, she's done voice acting for Dragon Age, I mean, she's all over the place, this was kind of a coup to get her. I don't know any of those shows! But you do know... TV's son of TV's Frank. That's the one thing
0: they gave us, and I'm so happy. It's Patton Oswalt. Patton, yeah, who's probably watched more movies than you and I put together. Oh my god. So,
1: for those of you who don't know, Patton Oswalt is a beloved nerd comedian, but even saying that kind of diminishes his his comedy. He's very versatile. He's very smart.
0: He's huge on Twitter.
1: He's written... Uh, like how many books? A lot.
0: Well, he wrote a whole book about like the year he spent just watching movies.
1: Yeah, no. And he was, he was, he was a self-described movie addict where he was just consuming good movies, bad movies did not matter. He just had to be a completionist. He was just putting them in his face. Right, And so
0: he's actually, so he's Gen X, right? He's like me. And he is again, a product and sort of hand in glove with the mystery science theater phenomenon that happens in the 90s and carrying forward into our culture today. I mean, he's perfect for this edition of the show, and he carries forward the earlier stuff that I love so much. Basically, he's they threw him to me so I would watch, and I'm watching.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's great. He does great work. He has great chemistry with Felicia Day. He has great hair. He has great hair. Um... You know, and they it's funny because they still throw in these little commercial breaks, even though they're on Netflix, and they don't need commercial breaks. But he does this little kind of like running, riffing commentary on, on, on the film, not minute to minute, but kind of the major plot developments he'll poke fun at, some of the uh, aspects of the show itself. Well,
0: what he's doing is he does the same kind of uh, commercial break patter that you would have seen on Saturday afternoon watching Gamera on like a local a TV show that had a local host, right? There were cities that would pay somebody to show these movies. Uh, It was either Saturday afternoons or it would be like late Friday or Saturday nights, right? These guys like, welcome to the vault, and they would do their pattern. I mean, that's what Mystery Science Theater was kind of making fun of, was these guys who maybe weren't that smart, and they would dress up as a vampire or some kind of space alien, and they were completely goofy and stupid and low-tech, but it was a way to repackage old content so that the local TV would have something to show at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night Yeah. so before
1: we get uh, further into the new content uh, we just want to say right off the bat it's very clear by the the glowing praise that we've given the show but certainly Mystery Science Theater 3000 is in the canon it is is about movies it is how we discuss movies now Uh, like I said I don't know what the cultural landscape uh, looks like without it But we have to just get that out there, black and white. This is in the canon.
0: Right. A show discussing crappy movies uses the canon to make fun of the crappy movies. So to be in the canon makes perfect sense. And if... Aliens are watching our media. A hundred years from now, they have to watch Mystery Science Theater. They
1: have to. I mean, it's it's. They're
0: probably watching MST3K right
1: now. Yes, Absolutely. I mean, it's it's you know uh, to understand us. I forget who said the joke, but you know there was the joke about once we put the uh, that gold record into space and it had some Chuck Berry on. Aliens are going to say, "Send more Chuck Berry." <laughs> but they're also going to say, "Send more Mystery Science Theater."
0: Send more Mystery Science Theater.
1: Yeah. Um, As a fun little aside, I just want to get this in here for the podcast. For those of you who like to follow internet culture as much as I do, one of the very first Flame Wars, you know, really aggressive internet fighting between two different groups of fandom, on Usenet (laughs)
0: happens
1: because of what my father talked about with the uh, change in hosts. Yeah, People on Usenet, I mean, just dial up, just, you know... (laughs) You know, just basic text displays are screaming and, and willing to just fight to the death over Mike versus
0: Joel. Mike versus Joel, one of the first great internet fights. Which host do you like better? Joel, of course.
1: Yeah, Joel. I mean, I'm a Joel man as well. Um, but what I love about uh, Joel and Mike and now Jonah is that they all have different dynamics with the robots. It, it, is, it is inherently oh, really? different. Joel is a father figure. He created them. Yeah. Uh, with them, he is trying to guide them. He's uh-huh. trying to mold them. He's the one who actually pulls back Crow, pull back, pulls back on Tom, trying to get rid of their worst instincts, trying <laughs> to corral these little monsters he's created. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mike is more like a brother to them. He's, yeah, He's true. He doesn't really encourage Their worst instincts, or else it would just turn into this dark, sci-fi, violent, you know, whatever. Mayhem! Because the bots are really just agents of anarchy. Your Uh, spirit animal. Is Crow T-Robot, yes, indeed. (laughs) Um, But, you know, and Mike is their brother, and so they get like a little more raunchy humor in there. You know, they make a little more jokes about violence. Um, And I think Jonah, having seen um, three episodes so far, I would say... He's the younger brother. I think they're almost kind of teaching
0: him. Younger than the bots? That's I think an they interesting are idea. I think
1: the bots have made a lot of references to him being the new guy, him being younger than them. They feel...
0: Well, that's one of the breakout lines from the very first episode is, so, you know, there's the it's little... The
1: first line, Crocez. Uh, they,
0: they, you know, what happens in the... If I'm the, thinking of the same thing. Yeah, in, in the very crappy little uh, framing device of the show... You know, Jonah has been captured, and so the mad scientists are showing him movies to sort of break him, right? It's it's supposed to be torture. And so Jonah's now trapped on the dark side of the moon with these robots, and a Crow goes, You're not the father of me! No, no it's it's even better than that. You're not my real father! Oh, you're not my real father. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: no, it's awesome. Um... And I love that dynamic between them. I hope they explore that further. Um, because even watching Mystery Science Theater 3000, my brain, the way I'm configured, is I'm still looking for these really interesting character interactions. I'm looking for arcs. I'm looking for, you know, development. Or even if there's not development, I'm looking for little bits of, of character that shine through. And hmm. And every riff in Mystery Science Theater 3000, they don't just randomly assign a riff to each character. It's... You know, Tom's always trying to show off and and be trying to be the smartest person in the room, but he's probably arguably well, the dumbest.
0: So you know what? That's you know? why I don't like riff tracks because it's just a bunch of guys who don't have those characteristics. Yeah, no, it's right? just a bunch the of guys ro- riffing. The robots have reason to make the different riffs that they do. Yes, Crow
1: so, is Crow is going to make raunchy jokes. Crow is going to try and just kind of push the envelope as yeah. much as he can. Yeah, and then Joan is the one who's just like. Just trying to keep the sanity, just going to make the jokes to stop the pain from happening.
0: Right, so I think the first thing to say about the new season, uh, first new Mystery Science Theater since 1999, is they keep those characters of the robots. Uh, the Mad Scientist, you know, she's the granddaughter of Pearl.
1: Yes. Is that right? She's so the granddaughter. So I think there's a, a missing, there's a generational gap a there, deliberately.
0: a gap there, so but uh, I like her. Patton Oswald's doing a great job. Uh, I actually am a little surprised that there are still crappy movies out there to do. I really (laughs) thought that we would have hit the high points and, you know, in the original run of the show in the 90s, they did start to show things like from the 1980s. And I'm like, okay, so I really liked the early vibe with Joel because he was showing stuff from the 50s, right? Really schlocky sci-fi stuff that's in black and white or the Japanese kaiju stuff from the 60s that's also really crappy. And yet here we are. In 2017, and they're still showing crappy kaiju. Yeah. And they're still showing, you know, stuff from 1964. The Time Travelers is really bad. Yeah, it's awful. And they found something from 1987, Which was unwatchable. So, this really surprised me. Well,
1: let's go. Do you want to go sequential? Like, let's just go go through. Okay, we've
0: we've got like nine minutes. Go.
1: Okay, so the first one is Reptilicus.
0: Reptilicus. which, Which is made in Denmark.
1: And it is like a Denmark kaiju monster movie where he like vomits acid and it's a it's a horrible hand puppet like it's not even a guy was, in a
0: suit. It is terrible. It's some
1: dude with a hand up a snake body and he's. <laughs> it's the worst thing in the world. There's so much
0: stock footage. Well, there's also a point at which he's supposedly eating villagers oh and my they just god. they just drew little cartoons on the film.
1: Oh my god! It was it terrible. So raw and undercooked. The bots get in a lot of good riffs in there about just, like, the nature of how crappy everything looks and how fake everything looks.
0: But to their credit, they don't make their first Lego joke until two-thirds of the way. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's really, that's a lot of restraint for them. Uh, And it's weird because the movie also, it it has, like, it's, like, bad, 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 bad. Then there's one moment where I'm like, oh... That's a lot like Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds remake. like Where like these people are fleeing from this monster and the drawbridge is going up and they're just flinging themselves off the drawbridge. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, wow, the movie just got a lot darker a lot faster. Um, <laughs> so
0: the idea behind MST3K is if you are hanging with your friends on late Saturday night and you find this junk on cable TV that this is how you can make the junk watchable, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't just sit there and watch junk. That's boring and stupid, but you can have fun by making jokes about the screen. And so that certainly made Reptilicus watchable to me. And Mm -hmm. I've watched a lot of things that I would never have devoted time to, except that they were making very intelligent jokes. And, uh, I'm really happy with the broad spectrum of humor, uh, there were definitely jokes in this new season that they could only be making now.
1: Yes. They make references to The Walking Dead. They make references to internet culture. They do one or two meme jokes, but I think it's very smart of them to not lean too heavily into that.
0: And um, yet they also made jokes that could have been made in 1997. Yes. I thought. They
1: are still making jokes about, you know, happy days, and, and they're making references to, to pop culture that you grew up with. And They
0: actually made, like, two or three jokes about the Muppet movie.
1: Yeah. They make a lot of Muppet movie references across <laughs> these first three episodes. I mean, the, the Jeep in Reptilicus, there's a Jeep full of military guys that pulls up to the front and they go, we're moving right along. Don't, don't, don't. Footloose and fancy free. And you're so. just like, Oh my God, okay. I guess you're doing the
0: Muppet movie. Right. So they really cover a broad range. And it feels to me like the jokes are coming faster than they used to. Much
1: faster. Uh, I would not say it is archer pace where you have to like pause, Ooh. rewind. Hold on, <laughs> I missed right. that. Say it again. I guess we'll have to rewatch the episode. Right. Um, but much faster. I mean, I still think *Mystery Science Theater 3000* is letting these films breathe in a very smart way, where you can still get bits of the plot so that you can understand their jokes as they go ahead. Yeah. But boy, they a lot of space where before they would have just made like. Dunk noises, they're filling with jokes now. You know? Right,
0: so I think that's a reflection of our culture, right? How everything is moving much faster, and if they were to keep the 1997 pace, people might be too bored to watch it.
1: Yeah, so. absolutely. Now, um, my
0: problem was, in the second episode of this new season, yeah. the movie was so bad, it was almost unwatchable. Like, the jokes couldn't save how bad this movie was. Yeah,
1: It's and it's so difficult. I mean, um the the original actor who played uh TV's Frank who also helped them select some of the first movies that they ever did for uh the original run has talked about trying to find that balance where it has to be bad but still be entertaining.
0: This one was so bad.
1: It's just uh, so the second one is called Cry Wilderness, it's made in 1987 and it is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. And I've seen some truly atrocious. I mean, I've seen Sharknado folks like it's awful and and I ranted at the end of the, at the end of the MST3K episode. I was screaming because they committed this to, you know, 88 millimeter film. This, this, this movie was made on film that somebody could have made with their dream project. And my father had a brilliant response.
0: You know, son... This movie about Bigfoot was someone's dream project,
1: and I just screamed for another five minutes straight because yeah, it was, was absolutely bad. true. I mean, it's Cry Wilderness is awful. I I I don't think the riffs can save it. They were good riffs, but you can't. It was painful. Yeah, it's like it you can't painful. shine a flashlight into a black hole. The black hole is just <laughs> gonna still eat that light. Like like it, there's there's tigers and there's like. A styrofoam mine that collapses, and I'm just like, I'm foaming at the mouth as I'm talking about this, so we need to move on to the third one.
0: So that's what we did to cleanse our palate after watching the first two episodes. We jumped immediately into the third one, which was the 1964 time travel movie, uh, which, you know what, really kind of revealed uh, how the original series of Star Trek came to be. They actually have a transporter in this movie, and it kind of uh, leaves a little film of bad taste on my beloved Star Trek, because I'm like, ooh, you know, the difference between the original series on TV and this movie, not that great. <laughs> There's not that much daylight between these two. So it's called the
1: Time Travelers. Uh, it is a 1964 movie, um, and it's it is. I think it's in that right threshold of is it bad? Yes. Is it so bad that you can't riff it? Nah, they do a great job taking yeah. this sucker apart. It's good. Um, we had a great time because we—I mean—we're riffing right along with the boss. <laughs> That's part of the fun. So we have a lot of fun because there's a there's a there's an older female character in the film with like white hair, and so and she's kind of she's got a very short haircut. So we immediately went to Mallory Archer from Archer, and so we're just making all these jokes about. Her being like Space Archer and it's just Space
0: Mallory. Space
1: Mallory Archer. It's brilliant. It's funny. We had a lot of fun.
0: Which is kind of interesting because they never made that joke. Uh, There were definitely some jokes in this new season of MST3K that's referencing other media.
1: Yeah, and other contemporary stuff. They make fun of like Kickstarter, which is how they got the new uh season funded i mean they're making jokes about that and they
0: drop wwe references yeah
1: they do they have tom Servo at one point smashing up another robot with a baseball bat just goes can you smell what tom servo's cooking (laughs) and i was just like wow that's really good and my dad's like okay and i'm you know screaming with laughter because i've waited 20 years for that
0: so (laughs) it's a great run we're really looking forward to getting to the other episodes of it um it's really nice that they have produced something now in 2017 that's so good that it can hang with all of its offspring, right? Mm-hmm. That, that It often happens that somebody, even as great as Chuck Berry, you know, who has left their imprint on the culture, then cannot kind of keep up with the culture. Yeah, right? I think there
1: might be one other person who's guilty of that. Mr. <laughs> uh, Mr. Lucas, maybe. But... Um... So as we're wrapping this up, uh, we've, we've said it's in the canon. We like the new season. Uh, if, you are, if you are going to shoot one episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000 Into Space, which one do you Ooh, shoot?
0: Ooh, well... I know mine. I got mine. I'm ready. I'm going. Okay, <laughs> so this season's great, but you know, I still would think that you would shoot a Roger Corman film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Was a Teenage Caveman. Yeah! Which I think is Joel. yes oh yes so that's it's pretty early on it's it's black and white so it's got all of that campy stuff that was the original idea of the show but you know i would also argue to send something else into space and it might be the time travelers
1: really okay he likes Mm -hmm. it that much for me there is no question a lot of people will tell you that mystery science theater 3000's finest hour is manos the hands of fate (laughs) those people are not inherently wrong But I disagree. Well, they are wrong. Um, (laughs) Their finest hour, in my mind, is the cave dwellers. I love the cave dwellers episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000 with the passion of a thousand suns. It is brilliant because I love Conan. I love Conan, and this is an Italian ripoff of Conan that is badly dubbed. It is like mid or late eighties, just trying to get that fantasy money you know they've fired they found some italian supermodel joel tom and crow and they're going a thousand miles per hour and it's- every riff is white hot but i think my favorite riff is them standing outside looking at the castle and them just going it's quiet too too quiet <laughs> like at one point he drops a line. the the main character drops a line. He's just like, "I'll keep them busy outside." It's supposed to be a one-liner, and so the bots and Joel, and this is very out of character for Joel, which makes it doubly funny. They just all start going, muh-huh, 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 like this maniacal
0: laughter, as if the movie is starting to break them. Right, always on the edge. Actually, let me change that. I, I got to change my, my answer because uh, I think it's got to be Mitchell, 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 Mitchell. Oh, God, we love that, That's a good one from the series. And that's the
1: last one that Joel ever does, right? Is
0: that? I don't know. That's the last one for Joel. we got to add another one. I want to do uh, City Limits.
1: Yes, City Limits. City Limits. City Limits, potentially, but not necessarily exclusively. A MST3K episode to feature uh, James Earl Jones and his starring role. I mean, City Limits is just this awful, like, mid-80s... Biker exploitation thing. It's it's kind of escape from New York, but it's dumber than that. No, no,
0: no come on, no, no, I changed my mind again. How about the
1: killer shrew? The killer shrew's. The killer good. shrew's Hold a on. good one. I'm putting in the giant gila monster for consideration. Okay, that's good. It's a good one. Well, the gamma. I mean. Gam- come on. Gamera!
0: Gamma! Gamma is, really is really neat! He is filled with turtle meat! We've we we been eating gamma Alright. Alright, shell, skin, face. <laughs> Hit the button, Samuel. I am the button.